0: The holy gospel according to Saint John the 8th chapter To the Jews who had believed him Jesus said if you hold to my teaching you are really my disciples then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free They answered him we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone How can you say that we will be we shall be set free Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, if anyone who sins is a slave to sin, now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The Gospel of the Lord. In just a few short days, October 31st is upon us. And while most of the nation will go out and celebrate Halloween and people dress up and go trick-or-treating to get candy and scare people and live in that realm, scary movies and scary TV shows. We look at something different. We are reminded of what took place 502 years ago. In 1517 Luther decided that he was going to challenge the sale of indulgences in Wittenberg. So he decides to go and nail his 95 Theses at the door at Wittenberg. But little did Luther know that this is going to be the spark that would change the world. This hammering at that door is what started the Reformation and have since been the cause of our triumphant move away from the Catholic teachings. But I really want to focus on the actual Reformation itself. These men who picked up the call of God and charged forward with the gospel and what it took of their lives. These men would come and preach sermons daily, Luther, in his life, preached over 3,000 sermons. Many of the other Reformers preached north of 2,000, or some even more than Luther did. Seven days a week, these men were in the pulpit, preaching. Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, Gospel. Three sermons on Sundays, these men committed their lives to Christ, This was their obedient call. So much, in fact, that some of them forgot to eat, and health issues came upon them because of this. This was an issue that Luther and Calvin faced. A Scottish reformer, John Knox, forgot to shave, so much, in fact, that his beard was north of a few feet long. And this was because of their obedience to Scripture. They committed their lives to reading, studying, and preaching. And this is exactly what Jesus is calling when he mentions obedience. This is what abiding in Christ is. In our text, we see in this translation that if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. If we look at a couple other translations in ESV, for instance, Christ is saying, if you abide in me, you will really be my disciple. And they have exactly the same meaning. If you hold to my teaching, if you abide in me, you will be my disciple. And that's exactly what the call of the reformers were doing. They were abiding in Christ. And their call was to study endlessly and to preach relentlessly. Now, if we look back at verse 30 we get some context to what Jesus is actually saying here. In fact, if we go all the way to verse 12, when Jesus makes the declaration that he is the light of the world, that sets up our context here in verses 31 through 36. Jesus says in 30, many believed, which is the response to what Jesus is claiming in verses 12 through 30. 30. Now, in this particular time, many flocked to Christ. They came in droves because of the signs and wonders that he was performing. Many came because he was offering free food. I mean, you can't beat that. I get healed and a free lunch. Even some thought that he was going to relieve them of the Roman oppression. They thought that they would make him a king and he would lead an army conquest. And this was what separated Christ from these individuals. Jesus was not here to do any of these things. Yes, he was there to heal and provide for the sick and needy, only to establish his deity. Now, the dispute in our text here, as we go, if we look back to verse 12, this is why we see some of them are flocking to him because they see the difference between what Jesus is saying to what the Pharisees are teaching. This dispute between Christ and the Pharisees is what is causing many to claim their belief in Jesus. However, Jesus says very simply that if you abide in me, you will be my disciple. So this abiding must be tested. And that is what Jesus is stating here. If we look forward to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 13, he says, test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves if you do not recognize this about yourselves, that Christ Jesus is in you, unless indeed you fail the test. So if we are to abide in Christ, we have to test our faith. And not only that, but new believers must be tested And as we see Christ start to transition into these types of teachings, making the declaration that he is the light, when he claims that he is the way and the truth and the life, many are flocking to him. This is profound teaching. He drew large crowds, thousands of people. The story of the feeding of the 5,000 is kind of a Low ball, if you would, because it doesn't count women and children that are there. It only counts men. So many scholars believe that in this particular instance, Jesus fed over 15,000 people. Thousands are flocking to him. And yet, those that are professing their belief in what Jesus is saying, their faith must be tested. And the truth is, is can they handle the words that Christ is going to preach. As Luther explains, there are those who there are others who hear the gospel, but when the battle grows hot, they declare, Upon my soul, should I forsake this or that for the sake of the gospel? Now, we must establish that there are in fact false teachers and false disciples and false converts. Our best example in Scripture is Judas. The man who walked with Christ for three years, listening to the word of God, and yet was never a true disciple of Jesus. Now, we must understand, too, that faith is just more than a simple proclamation of our mouth. Faith takes so much more. Yet today we see evidence of this type of soft Christianity taking over our nation All you have to do is just accept Jesus, and you're good to go. And it's not so much of us accepting Jesus into our heart as much as it is Jesus accepting us and calling to us. We have no say in salvation whatsoever. It, in fact, is the very breath of Christ that gives us this life. It is Christ alone who calls us back from the dead. We see John carry this theme from this gospel and well into his epistles that those who walk with us and leave us were not really of us. These false converts, in fact, are shallow, superficial, and really, unfortunately, just part-time believers. We are reminded by the words of Jesus in Matthew 7.21. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, who practice lawlessness. So when we see these false Christians, these false converts, we know that there are really just two types. One that can make a simple proclamation that they believe in Jesus, but they never act upon it. There is no fruit to their proclamation. There is no evidence of works. They would rather huddle in their house on Sunday mornings instead of going out into the communities. They don't share the gospel. They don't show their love for Christ. The other, in fact, is what we've seen as an example in Matthew 7.21. They go out into the world and they do all these wonderful deeds. They help their, neighbor, their neighbors. They jump into the mission fields. They feed the poor. They give money away. But yet, they miss who Christ truly is. And these individuals will generally fall away when the signs of hardship arise. Jesus says earlier in John 6, This is why I told you that no one can come to me Unless it is granted him by the Father. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. And Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? This is the first sign of hardship that Jesus brings, and he loses many of his followers because they just could not handle the tough teachings. So, what makes a true disciple? What does it really mean to abide in Jesus? Well, the answer is quite simple. It is one who acknowledges that Christ is Lord and Savior, believes in the promise of Jesus, and keeps to his commands. Jesus says it plainly right here. If you abide in me, you are truly my disciple. So this abiding, this dwelling in Christ, this continuing on in Jesus, this is a life long process. While we look at salvation as being rewarded instantly upon our faith that God has called us to, we know that we have a long journey ahead of us. We are evident by our fruits, our works, our acts, our behaviors. John tells us that they will know us by our love. And when we walk with Christ, when we abide in Jesus, Our lives are changed. We are molded into becoming what Christ was like. And that is evidented by our love for others. And yes, while we are marked by our good works and our love, we still have a bigger claim yet. We are diligent in our studies and our prayer life. We are committed to God's word. We do not get swept away in the storms of this world. And yet, we root ourselves in scripture Psalm 1 says it perfectly. It says a man or a woman who abides in God's word is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruits in its seasons and its leaves do not wither. None of this, though, means that we won't encounter difficulties in life. We won't encounter periods of persecution or suffering. We won't experience the breakings of families and friends. We won't encounter periods of weaker or stronger faith, but quite the opposite. We will. This is all a part of the walk with Christ. Jesus himself says that his word brings division. And that is exactly what will happen if we carry out our faith. Family members will fall away. Friends will fall away. We'll have divisions amongst our coworkers. But that is all a part of what Jesus is calling us into. However, before moving on, we must clarify one thing. That abiding in Jesus isn't a to-do list. It's not a legalism form of life. It's not a checklist that we can make before we get into heaven to hand to God and say, look what I did. Abiding in Christ is very simple. We are to hold to his words and his teachings. And we are to bury ourselves in scripture and keep his commandments now, throughout chapter 8, we see this exchange between Jesus and the Pharisees over his messianic claims. Jesus is declaring himself as God, and the Pharisees hated that. And throughout all of this exchange, a group of people expresses their belief in Jesus, which prompts them to make this claim in 31 and 32. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth Will set you free. Now the Jews have encountered centuries of captivity, enslavement, and punishment. And yet, they've carried this mindset from the very beginning that they were always indeed free people. They have this concept that they are free thinkers, they are free-spirited, and yet They were completely oblivious to their bondage of sin. And this is exactly what Jesus is calling them and calling to us today that only through Jesus are we freed from this bondage of sin. Jesus describes it in this way He doesn't come to call the righteous, but the sinner. And the Pharisees in themselves were righteous people, they thought that they were without sin. And that they had done no wrong in the eyes of God. Which is why they just couldn't grasp this concept of freedom. Because in their minds, they were in fact free. But Jesus answers them that they would be free indeed from all of this. They would be free from the slavery of sin. And as Galatians 5 tells us, as Paul writes here, he says, It is the freedom of Christ that sets us free. Paul makes it clear, Jesus makes it clear, that only through Christ can we experience this true freedom. Jesus explains that this bondage of sin is worse than any fleshly enslavement that the Israelites have encountered in their history. We are enslaved to sin and to the punishment that sin brings us. Our inherited nature, in fact, is to sin. We are born into it, and we live and fight it every day. And yet Jesus is only describing the human nature when we are enslaved to sin. Scripture says it, that man is completely under the dominion of sin. Titus 3 makes it clear, he says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hatred of others, and hating one another. Paul makes it clear when he writes this, that those who are without Christ, this is their life. This is the slavery that they are bonded to. And only in Christ are we freed from this mindset, from this behavior, from the chains that this world holds on to us. Now, this teaching is very countercultural then and today. Today. We like to look at the news or social media or whatever our platforms are, and we think that this world is in dire need of a Savior, and truly it is. But this world is acting in just its current nature, enslaved to sin. And while in some aspects, the world is going to tell us that we are good people, we all should just love one another and just to get along. And in fact, Scripture tells us otherwise that nobody is good. Nobody seeks after God. And while those who are outside of Christ will continue to act in their current nature of sin, we know that Christ has rescued us. And in reality, it is God who seeks us. It is God who draws us out of this dead life that this world displays. And this is exactly what the Pharisees could not grasp They thought that they were righteous and good, and yet Jesus calls them out for their hypocrisy. Man is by nature blinded by their sin, and we are enslaved to the bondage of sin. And yet, Christ tells us here that those who abide in him will be free. We will be freed from these chains. We will be freed from the woes of the world. We will be free indeed. When we abide in Christ, we no longer walk with the devil. We no longer walk with the world. We no longer are enslaved to the temptations of sin. And yet, we must understand that it doesn't make us sinless. It doesn't make us perfect. We still will stumble and fall on this journey. We still fight the flesh that is always going to have this nature of sin, this side of heaven. We must understand that making the proclamation that Christ is Lord, it's going to take our obedience, just as it took the Reformers in their lifelong dedication to Scripture. Our obedience is the call that Christ is calling to us today. It is not a list of do's and don'ts, but whatever God places on our heart is exactly what we must be doing We are no longer bound by sin nor the punishment that it delivers. Being in Christ, we are fully free. We are subject to none. but We are a servant to all. And this is the life that we can move forward with that Christ is calling us through. We are free. We are free to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. We are free to be a servant to our neighbor in all of the aspects that they need help with. And that is what we see in today's text. That when we are chained to sin, we will do nothing except what sin is calling us to do. But when we are in Christ, we have the freedom to love him and love others. Amen.